Ephesians chapter number 2. I want to finish our study this mor- that we started this morning on Christ our Savior. Uh, Christ our Savior. In the next few weeks, we'll be looking at Christ our re- the offices that Christ had, Christ our Redeemer, our Advocate, our High Priest. Uh, we'll look at many of those things, but Christ our Savior. And usually we don't like to do this, but the more that I studied on this, the more I realized we couldn't really put it all into one service. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 4. Look what the Bible says. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherein He loved us, does God love you? Yes, He does. And if you're a child of God, you're loved by Him. All right? Even when we were dead in sin. So He loved you before you got saved, didn't He? He loved us before we got saved. Uh, Even when we were dead in sin, have quickened us together with Christ. What does that mean? By grace ye are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The Lord looks at us as already being seated with the Savior in heaven. Not something may happen one day. Ephesians tells us He already, because your salvation and mine, is a surefire deal. It's going to happen. Look at the last verse, if you would, there. Uh, Verse number, actually, verse 7 and grace. That in the ages to come. He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Say it together, verse number 8, would you? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God. Father, help us in the service tonight. Thank you for guests. I know that we have many folks out of town and sick today, and we uplift them before you tonight. We ask you that you touch and heal. We do pray for Loretta Vickers. We pray for Brother Van Dyne. We pray even for Brother and Mrs. Wolford, and I pray got to stra- I talk to them this afternoon, and they're anticipating being able to come back on Easter Sunday, and I pray that would be uh, able to happen. We pray for George and Fern. Uh, and Father, we just ask you tonight that you'd work with us in these services. May we understand what it means, and may we reflect on what Christ Jesus has done for us as our Savior. Help me as I teach. Help these uh, as we... Uh, gather here tonight, and I pray that your spirit would lead us in Christ's name. Amen. Christ our Savior. I'm going to make a statement. Follow me. God is glorified in saving anyone who by faith believes on His Son. I'm going to say that again. God is glorified by saving anyone who by faith believes in His Son. Be careful with this. There have been some very notorious people, uh, murderers, Very, very bad people that got saved when they were in prison. Uh, And you look back on some of this, I remember uh, some some very notorious people that that actually had done some very bad things, but they got saved before they they passed away. And God is glorified in that, whether you get saved in an early age or or later on in life. This morning, we looked at two aspects of Jesus' life and concerning His Savior, We looked at His person, and we looked at His work. The person of Christ, we broke it down into two aspects. The human side of Jesus Christ. Did He eat? Did He sleep? Did He weep? Did He tire? Did He rest? Did He cry? He did all of those things just like you and I. And then the divine side of the person of Christ. He spoke, and a dead man, Lazarus, came out of the grave, didn't he? He spoke and rebuked the winds, and they were calm. He opened blinded eyes. He did all of So in Christ, even the person of Christ had two divisions in it. It had the human side and the divine side. And we said this. This is so important from this morning. 
You can believe all of the things about Jesus that are true and right, that he was sinless, that he was holy, that he was man, that he was God, and those things in and of themselves will not save you. It is the work of Jesus Christ that saves us. The work of Jesus Christ, we'll study about that a little bit more tonight. The work of Jesus Christ has two aspects to it. First, towards God, and then towards man. Uh, I want you to do this. Somebody help me with this. Brother Lou, step out into the foyer and ask Brother Rogers to come in there. I want him to put something up on the screen. He's lollygagging that. Take your Bible, Leviticus chapter number 16. Leviticus chapter number 16. So we look at this, two parts or two aspects of Christ and His work as Savior. Uh, the person of Christ and the work of Christ. Don't get them mixed up. They are, they are we can study both of them and they, both of them are wonder, a wonderful study. But now also we break down the work of Christ tonight a little bit further. We just got introduced to it this morning. And in the work of Christ, Brother Roger, can you put that image up on the screen? In the work of Christ, we see that that work of God is towards man and towards God. What is this piece of uh, tabernacle furniture here? That's the Ark of the Covenant below and the mercy seat above. Now, we are going to hopefully study this on a Wednesday night a series upcoming when we finish the book of Acts. We're going to study the tabernacle and the, also the temple and what it means as it pictures and portrays Christ. But I want us to leave this up here because this has great meaning. Uh, could, tell me, somebody tell me this. I'm not trying to set you up. More of a Bible study tonight. Where was this piece of furniture? In the holy place or the holy of holies? It was in the holy of holies. So you had, there was something that kept you from seeing this. Did all of Israel see this piece of furniture in the tabernacle? They did not. How did, how could you see this piece of furniture in the tabernacle later on in the temple? How could you see it? You had to go underneath or through the veil of the temple, right? You had to go through that veil and you to see. Now, why is that? I want you to look at this. So, concerning the work of Jesus Christ, I want to look at, first of all, the work of Jesus towards God. The example of the Old Testament offering for sin. Now, look back at Leviticus 16. I don't know where you are in your Bible reading. If you're reading along with most, we handed out a Bible reading schedule at the first of the year, uh, or maybe you're somewhere else. Uh, but my reading yesterday took me through, or yesterday, actually Friday, through this passage of Leviticus chapter number 16. Look at Leviticus, and this and a lot of numbers in Leviticus is kind of hard to understand. But look at verse number 14. Let's find out what is happening here. And this is speaking of the high priest on the day of atonement. And he shall take of the blood of the bullock. Okay, these are two different animals. And sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat eastward. And before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle of the blood with his finger seven times. All right, the bullock. The high priest is going to take the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it. Look at verse 15. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering. Right, so we've got a bullock and his blood and a goat and the blood of that goat. That is for the people. So let me ask you this. Who was the bullock for? If the goat is for the people, who is the blood of the bullock for? It's for God. We'll look at that. It's for, or some of you said the priest, and you're right, and bring his blood within the veil 
and do with the blood as he did with the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. Look at verse 16. And he shall make a what? An atonement. I want to show you in just a little while that there's another Hebrew word for that word atonement, and it is pitch. The word pitch and atonement in the Old Testament are identical words. So he shall make an atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of the transgression in all their sins. And so shall he do for the tabernacle of the congregation that remaineth among them in the midst of their uncleanness. Now watch this. So go with me. Let's put it all together. When we study Christ as our Savior, we break his life down into two categories. We look at the person of Jesus. We did that this morning. We barely got into the work of Jesus. But now tonight, we carry the work of Jesus. We break it down into two other categories. The work of Jesus towards God and the work of Jesus towards man. First, we look at towards God. In the Old Testament, on the great day of atonement, the blood of the sin offering was carried within the Holy of Holies by the high priest and was sprinkled upon the mercy seat seven times. So imagine this with me. The high priest takes the bullock, that is one animal, and he takes the goat, another sin offering, another animal, and he takes that blood, the bullock first. He takes that blood and goes underneath the veil of the temple, or the veil, and he goes in. Now, if you look at, and I can't point to these, but if you look on either part of the, of the ark, you'll see what those, those tipped parts on the end, they... That's called the horns of the altar. Now watch this. So we have the ark and then the mercy seat with the cherubims facing, their wings facing over the mercy seat. The high priest was to take the blood first of the bullock and sprinkle it seven times before the mercy seat and then seven times upon the mercy seat. The blood of the bullock was for the sins of the priest. Aaron and his sons had to make sure they were ready to serve and worship God. Now, what does that mean? That means, just like Jesus, we'll look at this, we'll show you the likeness of Christ in just a moment. And may we understand this, that we are serious when we come to church to worship God? All right? In the Old Testament, in the law, do we know, and even in this text, can somebody give me two names within just a chapter of two here? Aaron's sons that were killed because they didn't take serious, who were they? Nadab and Abihu were killed because they got sloppy in the work of the Lord, didn't think, and they listen, and you think about that, and God killed them. So watch this, look at this. So first of all, Christ worked towards God. In the Old Testament, on the great day of atonement, the blood of the sin offering was carried within the Holy of Holies, and the high priest sprinkled upon the mercy seat seven times. This sprinkling was a blood of a bullock and an offering for Aaron and the Levitical tribe, Aaron and his house. Who was Aaron a type of? Jesus Christ. Hebrews says he was a type of Christ. We have a great high priest, don't we? The veil of the temple has been rent. But we have a high priest, Jesus Christ. And so he put his blood on the heavenly mercy seat and we are acceptable to God because of the sacrifice of Jesus. But before the high priest could take the blood of the sin offering for the cover of the sins of the people, he had to take the blood of the bullock first into this 
uh, into the, uh, underneath the veil and into the temple, uh, the Holy of Holies, to uh, the mercy seat. This was also the blood of the goat of the sin offering for the chosen people. Now, follow me. In both instances, the blood was shed for God. Those folks can't come on the Day of Atonement with your sins because we serve a holy God. So first Aaron and his sons killed the bullock, and Aaron carried that blood into the mercy. Why? Because this was for God. Don't you come and worship me, God is saying, I am a God that is holy. Be ye holy, for I am holy. So that offering was killed. Both the bullock and the, and the goat, the sin offering, was killed for God so that we could come in His presence. Some people say this, I'm just going to, when I die, I'm just going to go to heaven. And I'm going to say this to you, when you die, you will meet God. But whether or not you go to heaven has to do with whether or not the blood of Jesus Christ was applied to your sin life and your life. So we look at this, this, the goat and the bullock, that blood was given for God. Look at 1 John, look at, leave a marker there in Leviticus, and look at 1 John 2, nearly to the back of the New Testament, before the book of Revelation, the book of 1 John, chapter number 2. And look at verse number, uh, 1 John 2, and look at verse number 2. Say it with me, if you would. Let's read this together. And He is the propitiation for our sin. Who is the He? Jesus, we don't bring it up. You didn't bring a bullock today, did you? You didn't bring a goat, did you? But I'm going to say this to you. Blood must still cover your sins and mine. Leviticus says this, without the shedding of blood, there is what? No remission of sins. A great teacher and a wonderful man. A great teacher, a phenomenal teacher. Some years ago in Southern California, and he knew better than this, he made this statement Christ's blood didn't have to be shed. He could have been strangled on the cross, and redemption would have been taken care of. That is not true. It's not true. Jesus' blood had to be shed. Blood had to be placed on this, on this mercy seat. And Jesus had to shed His blood. Why? For God and to satisfy the holiness of God. Look further, verse number 2. Chapter 2, verse 2. And He is a propitiation for our sins, not only... For ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Did Jesus die for all? Yes. Or did he die just for the elect? He died for all, didn't he? Jesus died for you and he died for me. So first the work of Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God. He shed his blood and he did the work for God. Look at first, 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. Go with me quickly. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. The Lamb of God was spotless and without blemish, we studied this morning, and was made the propitiation for our sins. God is now able to deal with our sins of mankind on the, on the merits of grace. God can offer you and I grace. As we went out soul winning yesterday, we had the opportunity in a couple times to Tell people who didn't know Christ as Savior, God loves you. And, and if you don't know you're saved, you should come to know Christ as Savior. God's grace is available to you. Why is it? Because Jesus shed His blood and His blood was applied 
And because of that, now the, the, the qualifications that God has for salvation have been met. Not by a bullock, not by a goat, but by a lamb. Mary had a little lamb, Jesus Christ. John said this, Behold the what of God? The Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 and look at verse number 19. 2 Corinthians 5, 19. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. The greatest thing you can tell somebody is not the cure for cancer. The greatest thing you can tell somebody is not how to eat healthy, how to invest wise, how to put their marriage back together. The greatest thing you, the greatest news we can share with anybody is this, God loves you. And the price for your sins have been paid by Jesus on the cross. So let's look at the work of Jesus again. The work of Jesus, first of all, is towards God. Now, look back at Leviticus chapter 16. Now we understand the work of Jesus Christ is towards man. The demands of God's holiness were met in Jesus Christ's sinless life in His death and His blood shed. Now look at Leviticus 16. Look at verse number 20 through 23. So the bullock was so that Aaron and his sons could come in and could do the things of worship. And the sin offering is so the people could approach God. You and I are not going to approach God without the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. Now look at this towards man. God's work, Jesus' work on Calvary's cross and in His life as Savior was towards God and towards man. Look at verse number 20 through 23. And when He had made an end of reconciling the holy place and the tabernacle of the congregation and of the altar, He shall bring the live goat. Now let me explain to you what happened. That goat was a sin offering. How many of you, I want you to do this tonight, if you are a sinner, would you say amen? Amen. amen. Your sin and my sin must be covered, must be paid for. Aren't you glad Jesus paid for it? But then follow me. The blood of the bullock was taken, and that blood by itself was offered on the mercy seat. The blood of the sin offering, the goat, before that blood was shed and, and put on the mercy seat, another live goat was brought. And the blood of, that, of the goat that was killed was placed on that live goat. And that live goat was taken outside the city into the wilderness and was let go. One goat died, shed his blood, so that the other goat might go free. Now, remembering that, look at this. Look at verse 21. And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. Why didn't he just say, send him away? It's purposely every word, and this is one of the reasons we're very careful. Every Bible is not the same. Every Bible is not the same. We stand on the King James Bible for a purpose and a reason. It's the inspired word of God to the English-speaking people. What he's saying here to the wilderness is this. 
and just say this, nobody kept that goat, nobody, uh, that was not a prized goat for somebody, it went out into the wilderness, nobody probably ever saw it again. Can I say this to you, child of God? Jesus Christ, His work as our Savior was first towards God. Your sin and my sin carry a heavy price with it, a penalty, and Jesus paid that penalty. He satisfied God on our behalf for our sins. But now you think about it, so what did He do with our sins? The Bible says He, re he put a removed them as far as the east from the west. Say it with me, to remember them. No more. How many of you, you could raise your hand and say this, preacher, even since I've been saved, Satan often reminds me of things I've done wrong. Anybody like that? Can you tell the old devil that you realize this, that your sins were, they were like that life scapegoat and your sins were placed, uh, Christ placed them, that goat that died, that blood that was shed, and that goat was let out into the wilderness. Nobody saw it again. Nobody's going to see your sins any, again anymore. Look at the next verse, if you would. Verse 23. And the goat shall bear upon him all the iniquities unto a land not inhabited. Where is God going to find your sins? Not going to find them. Where is Satan going to find your sins? Not going to find them. Let them out in the wilderness, a land not inhabited. Your sins and my sins, when we get saved, they're gone. Buried as far as the east from the west to remember God hides them behind his back. He doesn't see them. You say, preacher, oh good, I'll just get saved and I'll go live however I want to live. When you get saved, you want to please him. You want to do right. Look back in here, if you would, please. Look at Romans chapter 3, if you would, follow me. So we look at the work of Christ, first of all, towards God. And now we look at the work of Christ towards man. We are that scapegoat. Look at, look at Romans chapter 3 and look at verse number 25. Whom God hath set forth to be a perpetuation through faith in His blood to declare the righteous for the remission of sins that are what? Aren't you glad that our past through the forbearance of God in the Holy of Holies stood the Ark of the Covenant upon that mercy seat was a pure slab of gold with a cherub at each end. The names of the slab was the Kaporet. What does that mean? The Kaporet, that base where those cherubs were, that solid slab of gold up top, it means to cover or propitiation. Follow with me, and we won't turn there tonight, but in Genesis chapter number 6, where were, Brother Vernon, you're a woodworker. You know, the difference in your woodwork and mine woodwork is this. You don't have to have plans, and I do. Who gave Noah the plans for the ark? Did Noah build it just like God said to build it? So Noah got it all built, and before it started to rain, there was one last bit of instruction. You can find it in Genesis 6, 14. Here's what God said. I want you to pitch it within and pitch it without. Study it. If you have a strong concordance or a Greek and Hebrew Bible, you study this. That word pitch is atonement. The ark is a type of salvation. It only has one door, doesn't it? There's only one way you and I are getting saved. It's not through a church. It's not through a pastor or a priest. We've got to come through the door. Who's the door? Jesus is the door. Christ is the door. Now watch that. And that door's open right now, but one day that door will be shut. When that door is shut, no man can open it, could they? 
And that water and that flood, the fountains of the deep broke up and water dumped from heaven. That's a sign of God's judgment as His judgment came upon mankind. But that boat was pitched, atoned, propitiation from within and from without. And so all in the ark were what? They were not only saved, but they were safe. And child of God, can I tell you tonight, if you are saved and ever been saved, you are safe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at, if you would please, Moses' ark was a type of the bulrush. And watch it. And remember again, I, I thought about this this week. When Moses' mama understood the decree had come for the young boys to be killed, she made an ark of... What did she make it of? Come on. What, what, who said it? Bulrushes. She made an ark of bulrushes. But what should she do before she put them in the Nile? She pitched it. Within, without. Who's a, who, Moses, who is Moses a type of in the Bible? Jesus Christ. It's a type of Jesus, the mediator between God and man, the mediator between the children of Israel, and God himself was Moses. Nobody went on Sinai other than Moses. He's that propitiation. She pitched it within and without. Did you say, preacher, what are you making a big thing? I want to make some very simple statements. If you're saved, your sins are gone. Say it with me. If you're saved... Your sins are gone. Say it again. If you're saved, your sins are gone. They're gone. The scapegoat into the wilderness, in an uninhabited land. Nobody can find this goat. Nobody can find your sins. They can never be recovered. God has poured them, put them behind his back to remember them no more. Christ was a symbol of the scapegoat that was killed so we can go free. Number two, again and in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit emphasizes that God raised up Jesus from the dead and that He's seated at the right hand of God the Father. What does this mean for believers? Let's wrap it up. Christ bore our sins in His own body on the tree. Is that true? He bore your sins and mine. All right. Now watch this. He went down into death under the wrath and judgment of God that was due us. Is that true? And the fact that God raised him from the dead proves beyond all shadow of a doubt that he accepted the sacrifice of his son and our sins are gone. Now, as we close tonight, I want to show you this. Do you believe everything we studied this morning and tonight? Do you believe that Jesus is and can be our Savior? Do we understand we each need a Savior? Now watch this. As Christ is our Savior, we look at his person, we look at his work, then when we look at his work, some of his work was towards God. He satisfied the holiness of God. He met the requirements of holiness before God, of sanctification, justification before God. He met those. So when I apply the work of Jesus Christ by faith to my life, my sins are covered. They're gone. Now, what does that mean? I want to show you very simply. I want us to turn to several. Look at John, the book of John. I'm going to give you, the and all this is, you're not going to learn anything tonight that you're going to go home, man, I didn't know that. I'm sure glad I went to church tonight so I could learn it. How then are we saved? Preacher, how do I apply this work? That blood that was shed on heaven's mercy seat, the blood of our Savior, our sinless Lamb of God, how do I apply it? I want us to read John 3 together, verse 16. Are you ready? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
Do you tonight believe on Jesus Christ? Do you believe that He died for you? Do you believe that He was the sinless Son of God? Do you believe He rose again victorious over sin, death, and hell the third day? Do you believe that He's seated at the right hand of God the Father? Do you believe that one day He's coming back for you? So what does John say? If you believe, you, can, you are saved. Now look at same chapter. Look at verse number 36. This is not my promise. This is the promise of God. Read it together, would you please? He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Now go to John 6. Does that help you to understand that if you've been saved and you're trusting in Jesus Christ, you have eternal life? Not because Pastor Roger says you have eternal life, but because the Word of God says you have eternal life. Why? Because you believe. John 6, look at verse number 47. John 6, 47. Not that any man has seen the Father, save he which is God, has seen the Father. Look at verse 47. Read it together. Verily, verily. What does that word mean? Stop. Verily, verily. He said, truly, truly. Or he says, listen, listen. Verily, verily, I say unto watch this. Verily, verily, I say unto you, this is, and I don't have a red letter Bible. You have a red letter Bible? Raise your hand. Red letter Bible, all these words in red letter. So Jesus is verbally speaking here. Say it together. He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Aren't you glad Jesus is your Savior? Aren't you glad that when you believed on Him, He gave you eternal life? Aren't you glad when you got saved, He took your sins like that scapegoat out into the wilderness to uninhabited? He won't remember them anymore. When Satan reminds you of your sins and your failures before God, remind him that your sins are gone. They're gone. You believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, go with me, Romans 5, verse 1. Romans 5. I am not trying to pick out verses that make you feel good. I'm trying to give us the understanding if Jesus is your Savior, you're safe. Romans 5, verse 1. Now, read it together, please. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Once we're saved, we have that peace of God. And one last one here. Uh, look at the book of Acts, chapter, we should have hit Acts first. Acts 16, go backwards if you would, Acts 16. Acts 16, and look at verse number 31. Let's read this together. Acts 16, 31, are you ready? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. There's the only way to be saved is the Bible way. But my preacher said, I don't care what your preacher said, this is what the Word of God says. But I was taught, I don't know, it doesn't make a difference how you were taught. The only way to have Jesus as your Savior is the Bible way. Receive the gift of God from the hand of the giver. So here we wrap it all up. In life, Jesus is our example, isn't He? Live like He lived, love like He loved, forgive like He forgave. In death, Jesus is our Redeemer. In His burial, Jesus is our scapegoat. In His resurrection, Jesus is our sanctification. 
in his second coming, Jesus is our hope. What's our hope? This old world is getting dark. I don't understand. Those of you men that are military, I don't ever understand what it's like to fight in war, to see the atrocities of war. I don't understand what it's like to see somebody killed in, in action. Was it yesterday we had somebody, a Vietnam War veteran, from what I understand, in California, fighting PTSD, took a rifle and went into a home and killed three female workers. By the way, this is not the message tonight, but just in case, keep you all right politically, California has the same gun laws they want us to adopt. Gun laws don't help. You can't have an assault rifle in California. Already in California, you've got to be 21 to get that rifle. Gun laws aren't going to make the difference. The hatred in a man's heart is going to make the difference. I don't understand. I understand this, this veteran was, and I'm not, I'm not making light of what he did. He took three precious lives. But I'm saying this whole world is getting dark. And, and don't think for a minute. Now, we're really excited about this. Boy, North Korea, Kim Jong-un is going to make peace with us. He started his plutonium enrichment back up yesterday. Mm -hmm. We find out now, did you see what we saw? Russia has a nuclear warhead. Now, we've just kind of idled things. Russia has a nuclear warhead that will hit anywhere in the United States, and it's in, it cannot be shot down by anything currently that the So we know that the United States or anybody else has. This world is a scary place, isn't it? Aren't you glad that this world is not our home? Or just a pastor, so I say this. Believers don't need to fear the moment they stand before God. Do you? Jesus said in Matthew 10, If you confess me before men, say it with me if you know the verse, I will confess you before my Father which is in heaven. Is Jesus your Savior? Do you believe on Him? All right? Then according to four texts in John 3 we looked at, John 6, Acts, and the book of Romans, if you were to die today according to the Word of God, what would happen? To be absent from the body is to be what? Present, Present with the Lord. And so I, I ended my notes with this. So this morning and tonight, we end the same way. Have you made Jesus your Savior? Let me say this to you. You need a Savior. I need a Savior. Jesus is the only substitute God will accept. And I want to say this to you. If you accept Him, then your sins are gone to be remembered no more. If you reject Him, there is no other way. The Bible says also in the book of Romans that we abide under the condemnation of God if we do not receive Christ as our Savior. Is He your Savior?